Look in your home. Look in your office. Look in your home office. Everywhere you turn, there's so much smart. At Capella University, we think education should be smart too. Our game-changing FlexPath format puts you in control of your master's degree, so you can learn how, when, and where you want. Smart, huh? Yeah, we think so too. So if you want to take the next step in your career, make Capella your first step. Visit capella.edu to learn more. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter. When the big wireless carriers start trying to get you to splurge your tax return on the latest nonsense this year, just tune it out. With Straight Talk Wireless, you can get a Samsung Galaxy A51 for just $199 on America's best networks. Straight Talk Wireless, available at Walmart. Savings may vary. See straighttalk.com. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Swim Culture Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Remember, you can get involved by following us at the Swim Culture on Instagram. But we are here to tell you that we do, and we are good at it. I am Coach Adrian. I'm Dr. Shira. We are the hosts of the Swim Culture Podcast. We want everyone to know that aquatics has always been a part of the Black culture and experience since the beginning of time. From scuba diving to fishing to the Olympics and surfing, we have done it all and are still doing it. Make sure you tune in and dive into the culture. The Swim Culture. Now what? (laughs) The one thing that I feel that I would gladly take is a rest reduction, okay? Why do you keep saying that? You're lying, Because I am... I know. Oh, this is real. This is truth. Okay, I would gladly, because I'm serious. It would help in the water and everything. I would just, I would get, you know, less drag. Just more, more compression. Uh, uh-uh. uh. No, I need a good, a good large C cup. I think. What's wrong with what you got right now? It's too much. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> so how are you doing? Cool, girls was popping, lips popping. I thought it was cute, but okay. Thank you. No, I I appreciate it. I'm you know people who don't you know have them. They be like, oh, I want them, and then you know people who don't who want them be but like, you know what, so. though, like I remember college years having like big breasts. Then after I had no, kids, smaller. I, mm. everything. So I metamorphosed. You did the opposite. I did. And I was asking one of my best friends, I said, do you remember me pre-baby? And she was like, yeah. I said, what you think? She says, I think you're smaller. And I'm like, yeah, like I was. See, the swimming, you, you, you know. No, I when mean, I first met you, like you, after having him. You, lo- you lost weight from when I first met you. Yes, I did. So, I mean. So that, I imagine that... I was smaller then from college. So think, think oh. about that. Okay. See, yeah. it's, that, it's that aerobic exercise, you know. For me, you know, I, I'm buoyant. It's easy for me to get through the water. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so... I'm um, not buoyant. It's a workout. I, look, listen, I can tread water for days. Um, but So this morning, doing my workout... <clears throat> um, I'm jealous. I need to go we to were... Pool. I had to get on the kickboard just to kick. Yes. That is so hard. It is? I, it's Yes. Because I'm not buoyant, so it's hard for like I have to literally put a, you know what I'm saying? So I'm yeah. a 50 kick, and I was like, 
<laughs> and you know what's what's difficult for me is like when I'm teaching my students and when we get to the especially to the treading part and then I'm try, I'm like showing them how to do it and I stop and I'm just like sitting there and I'm still like I'm so serious <laughs> and I'm like and then they're like and they're like we can't how are you doing that we can't do it. I was like that's just the body count that's the body composition you need you the know. <laughs> I don't I don't know. I don't I, I think I think a good C cup is a is a good size. It sounds like if you take that take them down, you're gonna lose some buoyancy. But I will gain not having to go out without a bra. I mean with a bra on. I will gladly I will gladly exchange that every day. Excuse me, TMI. I know it's too much. I will always go out without a bra. I know, and I, I'm jealous. <laughs> but I don't know if that's a good thing. I just, I, and not that I don't have a set of nice bras either. I don't know. Well, I wouldn't care. I would <laughs> every day. <laughs> All right, so. Unless I'm at school teaching, you know, professional, but still. That's the only anyway. time I put on a bra. And then my summer league. That's the only time you should. They knew, so it was like the first swim meet. So I come in, you know, I'm talking to the parents. So some lead parents put me to the side. I say, Coach Adrian, you're wearing a bra. <laughs> okay. <laughs> wow. Okay. That's what I said. So that really let me. I was kind of self conscious wow. at that point. I'm like, I've been doing this, and no one said anything. Right. Until they were like, Oh, you're you have you have. But a you know what? The underwire. It's not good for us. Like our, we need seriously. It's like when it comes to our physiology and stuff. Like we need to be free. Yeah, let it all hang out. Yeah, I mean, be we free. need to earth our whole bodies. What you saying? It is societal norms that are keeping us, you know, prisoner Color. to these bras. This is new. Yeah. So, what has been going on with you um, these past couple of days? <laughs> Well, you know, it's been a lot going on um, these last couple of days, you know. I'm tired of 2020. 2020 2020 is just, I mean, we lost the RA. So we're already in a really tough place in life. The black boys are already scared to be little black boys. And then the only superhero passes away. Yes. Yes. Tragic. um, Yeah. I was, I was there. I was shocked. Yeah. Yeah. And that it showed but, a lot of perseverance though for him to put all those movies out after a diagnosis of that. Listen, that I when 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 they said he had gotten his diagnosed in 2016 and, and then I looked at the you know they had the list of movies that he had been working on since then and he just did the blood the five bloods and um I was listening to Spike Lee talk about how none of them knew and they were like in Taiwan and the heat and stuff and I'm just I'm like, if I if I just get a sniff, you know, like my nose gets stuffed, you know, I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> you know, but so imagine going through those treatments and stuff. I right, yeah. I um I really, you know, that's admirable and like really right. like to to imagine just what he was going through. And then Absolutely. I remember um after the Black Panther came out, um, and I was looking at pictures and stuff and and I was just like, he looks small. Like he just looks smaller. And I was like, I hope he's not sick. That's I remember saying that. And um, and it seemed like his weight would fluctuate and stuff. But yeah, that was very, very sad. So um, it was. Anyway, so how was your week? 
It was good. Um, you know, just still the teaching online, trying to get my students motivated to turn their cameras on, to simply, you know, <laughs> click the button to turn your camera on. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to like, to, I don't know, like it's this it's difficult. Like when I'm in class, you know, I, it's, I can do the class activities. We, I think the discussion flows better, but, and then when they do the turn their cameras on, sometimes they, they look like they just woke up. You know, they might, I don't know. I don't know. I know, but I mean, in my mind, I'm like, tr- you know, treat it like you were going to class, you know, get up, you know, you got class. I see they're adults. Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, um, okay. for me. What, the online? Yeah, homeschool has been wonderful. I can check in, see what's going on. I'm right there. You know, he has to go in, log in. You on the parent side. Yeah, yeah. It's good. Right. But on the other side, you know, um, that's okay. You know, am I telehealth? Okay. Cool. Okay. No, it's been it's been cool, but I think like this, you know, we this is like only the second week of school. And so starting the expectations and just them just uh, you know, they 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 hopefully it'll get better. Hopefully it'll get Listen, better. They know, so the lesson they gotta learn right now is that this might be a new reality. So if you go to work and you work from home and you got to do your stuff at home, you still have to act as though you were in the office. That's so true. Life lesson for them and yeah. you know, yeah. to treat it as such. Yeah. And yeah. so um, I still have my swimming classes. Um, and so there are some challenges there that I'm trying to overcome. So we're just going to pray about it and see how this moves forward. So our next show, I'll probably talk about that. Um, <laughs> And hopefully we would have been in the water. Right. Um, well, thank you so much for tuning in to the podcast. All right, Sherry, thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. You have been listening to um, Dr. Sharon Allen and myself, Coach Adrian Wesley. And we are, have a very special guest on today. Yes, we do. As we're talking about all these different experiences that we're having, we actually have um, the CEO Yes. Of uh, diversity and aquatics, Miriam. Yes. yes. So we're going to bring her into the conversation and talk about um, her experiences and her role um, in diversity and aquatics. So, hello. Hi, ladies. Hi. Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Better the view here. So, at the end of the day. So thank you for having me. Good. So um, what's been going on with you? Um, you know, <laughs> besides being CEO of Diversity and Aquatics, you know, you have a regular job. So what's been going on with you lately? Yeah. So with me, I wear multiple hats <laughs> outside of just the um, Diversity and Aquatics realm. So I teach full-time for a public school district, Virginia. So we're getting ready. You're talking about getting students to get ready, to be ready on camera. Uh, We're doing the same thing with our classes. Um, We just had orientation uh, today and making sure that all the students were comfortable, knew where all their classes were, knew kind of what are the new policies with online learning. We went through all those things today. 
with our students. So it's a different norm, but I also think of it's a time for innovation for us as teachers, us as the educational system um, to, to explore. We've always talked about these things, but now we're Uh, what we do in addition. So that's that's one of Howard University. And as you guys know, Howard University is the last program. Um, and so we are getting ready to work with, um, you know, getting the team ready for the season. How do we do that remotely? How do we instill accountability and still excellence? Um, within expectations for our uh, for our kids. So, what um, county do you teach in? I teach in Fairfax County. Okay, so I graduated high school from Loudoun County, in Loudoun County. Yeah, so I can, uh, you guys are right next door. I'm, uh, I grew up out here in Fairfax County, so I went to Lake Braddock, and now I teach at Lake Braddock. I was a swim coach at Lake Braddock. My sister went to Lake Braddock. I am full, fully into Lake Braddock, um, and I've been there for the last nine years now. Okay, you were, let me, cause I can edit this stuff. And so it was like a portion where you were breaking up. Um, I don't remember where you were. I remember Howard and then I remember something else, but that was it. Could you oh. hear it, Adrian? You could, you could hear what she was saying? I, uh, she was breaking up. I can hear them breaking up. Okay. Um, I wonder how. Maybe if we, y'all hear Aiden? Maybe if we just did like the audio. What do you think about that? That's fine. Let's just see how it goes. Yeah. Huh? Let's just see how it goes. I don't know. I don't know if we can, like, can we? We can't do our cameras. Can we turn our cameras on? Because you know, sometimes the camera like causes the more internet usage. And so like once you turn your camera, does that make sense? It does. Yes. Mine says mic and camera turn off. Okay, I really want to get a camera though. I know. Let's just leave it. Let's just try to get. Okay. And we'll see All right. Yeah. So just to repeat what you. So if it's if it's like a you break if you're a break if you break up like I can like chop it up you know um and and edit it. Uh anyway so could you go? I'm sorry. Could you go like back to what you were saying about? I missed the whole end of like the teaching and then the Howard University, like all of that. Okay. Yeah, no, I can. So I'm a teacher. I'm a full-time teacher in, um, in, in, in Fairfax County. And so I've been teaching for 15 years now. 
I teach accounting and personal finance, so a little bit different realm from the swimming world. But then also, in addition, I never wanted to stay far away from coaching. I stopped for a little bit um, to work with some family stuff and to help build diversity aquatics, but I always stay close to Howard University. And um, for the last few years, I've been as a volunteer coach uh, for Howard University, which, as you guys know, is the last HBCU Division One swim and dive program in the country. So um, it is an honor to work with them. My group are the Butterflyers. So I <laughs> would shout out to my Butterflyers out there. Butterfly was my favorite stroke. Like, I, it was... It was, it's hard, but I loved it. Um, it is my favorite stroke. That's what I was yeah. working on this morning, trying to build it back from my back injury. And so that's the one stroke yeah. they told me not to do. So we were trying to do the kick. Well, listen, I was trying so to do you doing? for because I want to build it back. Okay. Yeah, that undulation is, yeah, I can yeah. see. Um. Yeah, I'm trying to do it. <laughs> Oh, dolphin kicks on the kickboard to try to loosen me up a little bit, you know. Okay. <laughs> Do your thing. Okay. Um, so Miriam, I was like we've had many discussions about, you know, just swimming and everything and your like story of your just you becoming a competitive swimmer and everything is interesting um to me i had no i when i first met you when i came to the conference the first time i was like i had no i had no idea and so could you talk about like your how you got into swimming um you know at the early age and then what led you to getting into coaching and things like that so yeah yeah, my my story is it's it's unique because um for us and my family, I come from a military family. My dad graduated from West Point. Um, but what really and so my dad always believed in like swimming, having access because he saw that was also a barrier entry for you to be an officer. Um, because you had you know you had to learn how to swim to be a, a ranger or um or in uh a lot of navy seals and things so he he had that stress of importance especially coming from boy scouts and that that was a part of what he had but what was the interesting thing is that my mom uh you know a lot of time we come my mom had a fear of the water um and rightfully so because her oldest brother drowned or i even got to know my uncle ulysses evers he drowned his senior year um he was at a pool party um you know what happened pushed in the water and the unfortunate fact. And my mother could have put that fear onto us when we were growing up and said, nope, don't go near the water. But she really used it as an empowering. Um, she wanted us to learn how to swim. So when the time was right, we lived in Saudi Arabia um, during my beginning years when I was in kindergarten oh, wow. and first and second grade. And uh, literally my, this is a little bit of a pun, but the pool was the coolest place around. Um, you can't go out and play on the field because it's like 110 degrees out there and dry heat. And the pool was the place where everybody gathered. And I really credit my mom for really just knowing what her fear was of the water to be able to say, no, we're going to make sure that you know how to swim. So I went through the Red Cross lifeguarding, um, learned a swim course. Um, there and then I was actually one of the youngest members on the swim team there because I just was off the pool all the time. I was four years old. Um, I have 
some of my first memories that I really have me walking to the pool. I even remember my suit. I had this this um, white um, ice cream that I would wear, and that would it just was always a part of it. Um, nice. From, <laughs> And and then, and and that was just that was how I fell in love with the pool is because it was the center of everything and it became my center of everything everywhere we moved. So when we moved to Germany, that was my sense of community before I even started school was to be a part of the swim team. When we moved um, in different to Rhode Island, that was where where I learned. You know, I met my friends before starting school in Rhode Island. Everywhere we went, I always joined the swim team first. And then those were my friends that I met that would help me through um, the rest of my schooling that you already had that connection in class. Um, I had some really amazing experiences while I was um, growing up in swimming. I swam for the European Forces Swim League. I got to go to Austria and swim with the awesome swim camp out there. I got to travel the world um, through swimming. So. I that's how I grew up with it and eventually we landed back here in the United States in Washington DC because that's where most military people end up here in DC yeah. or one of the other big places around the world um, or around the country and I joined in with INCAP and um, which was Curl Burke at the time and I remember what is, my and what is INCAP for those who don't know what's INCAP? It's Nation's Capital Swim Team. So um, we were pro work um, at the time when I was a part of it, and then they changed the name to Nation's Capital. So that's where I finished out my high school career in swimming. Awesome. So um, what was your experience like? Because that is an experience like no other. You know, most Black people don't go outside of their, you know, perimeter, you know, they area. So you were able to go Saudi Arabia, Germany. Like, what was that like as a black girl, you know, in a black family swimming, doing something else that, you know, isn't like stereotypical of what black people do? What was that like? Yeah, so my family was already breaking molds. Um, my dad was an officer, a graduate of West Point from 1974. So that was already, he was already a person who was breaking the mold. My mother um, was getting graduate school, eventually was pursuing her doctorate. My family was always a part of breaking mold and understanding that your core, you know, we always had that conversation like, you know, this is your core group, this is where we are, and everything else around you, um, you know, you conduct yourself as 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 you go in, in this outside environment. So I always felt very, I was always very close to my family, that was our center. I always, I never felt different, I will say this, my experience in, in Saudi Arabia, in Germany, even being a part of a German swim team, where my coach spoke no English, um, it was my teammates who had to translate things to me um, from my coach to me, I never felt the, um, I only felt different because I was an American. It wasn't until I moved back here to the state that I felt that my black was before my, me being a swimmer um, because it was, oh, you're pretty good for a black girl. Or it was always pointed out, oh, your hair is different. You um, or always how people communicated to me, not always, but in many times the microaggressions of, um, oh, let's, did you see the new Biggie album that just came out? And it was like, yeah, hi, how are you doing too? 
um, that I felt that you know, it was a different context. But, I mean, like I said, swimming was my world. So I kind of just took it and br brushed it off because I was there to compete. I'm a competitor at heart. Um, I, you know, like my sister and I will go out running and I, I will not, even though I'm dying <laughs> while I'm running next her, I will not lose. Um, so that was just my, my take on things is that I will not let that be my determination away from what I love to do. I love to be in the yeah. water. Um, I love that competitive nature. Of, so that was just my, my world. But I didn't, when I was younger, I didn't realize the differences until I came here to the United States. Um, and, and your, your sister's a swimmer too, right? She's a swimmer too. She swam for yeah. Vanderbilt. She was the first black female to swim for Vanderbilt University and um, did an incredible, left an incredible legacy there. Awesome. That's great. Wow. Adrian, you got a question? Or I can, I have many questions. <laughs> I can't even think of which one I wanted because you answered when I wanted to ask you, when did you feel black? Because <laughs> <it was> <laughs> you know you don't feel black so everywhere you go. So when did you feel black? Okay, so now on a coaching experience, how has that been? Because I am familiar with Lake Braddock in that area um, because I grew up in that area. So what was the experience like then? Yeah, the experience going to Lake Braddock, one, first of all, the school is huge. Um, when we moved here, the first field trip we had was to go to the mall and I thought I was going to the shopping mall, which is the mall DC. And it was different, right? Everything was different. That, th that was the biggest thing. Cause I, you have to understand, I went to, I was part of a German swim team. I was part of Dodge school system, very small school system. And then even transportation in Germany, I was on my own. I, when I was younger, I would just take the train from home. We lived off base to school. That was middle school at the time. So it was just, a, it's a different ecosystem of, of, of a lot of things when I moved here to, um, to DC, like having to be drove every, um, to drive everywhere, to not have the, um, um, just the independence that I had in Germany versus here, that was different. Um, just culturally different in that the community of swimming was, is just, it was, it was just very different. It's, it's very much like more competitive and it starts from the parent group down to the swimmers um, was a little bit different. I, but I will say this, I was very lucky to have some really awesome coaches who made some great impacts on me. Um, I had fortunate when we, when we were thinking about moving back, uh, my parents, my grandmother lived outside of Philadelphia. And so she heard about PDR and Jim Ellis. And so the before we were supposed to move back, I got a chance to swim with Jim Ellis and experience that and be with him in the distance group. And that's a whole story. But then I also had an awesome coach, Pete Morgan, who really saw greatness in me. And he always was just very great communicator. Um, and it was almost like a guide, a teacher in the way that you, you swim. It wasn't just a coach, but he taught you about the sport. Um, and so I'm so grateful for those things. So that's what made it kind of normalized. But the difference part was really in the interactions out the pool. Um, my friend group at Lake Braddock were like, you swim? Wait, how, what do you do with your hair? Or 
Um, wait, you wake up at what time in the morning? Before school and you go back after school? Um, two most days of my friends are a mess. Two days were no joke. Nine times a week. None. It was no joke. <laughs> um, and my friends weren't swimmers. My best friends um, in high school were not, they were on the track team or um, they were on the football team. They weren't part of swimming. And that was just a different kind of balancing those worlds um, to, was a little bit of a, a, a different navigation. So, so yeah, growing up in this area, swimming is everything. Um, you have uh, the Northern Virginia Swim League, you have Colonial Swim League, but we know how those got started because swimming started to get to privatize. Um, but swimming is king here. Everybody swims. Um, you know that, Adrian, and, and Bim Loudon is that if you didn't do swimming in the summer, uh, what were you doing? Right, right. yeah. Yeah, that's all right. Because I actually started at Reston Town Center. And I'm not Reston Town, it's Reston Community Center. And believe it or not, the last call we had for DIA, the director of that center, she was on the call. And I was like, oh my God, that's where I started. So she's that's joined. Nice. Yeah, that was that was really cool because that's literally where I started. And the same thing, we moved there. My mom was like, you got to do something. And I joined the swim team. I was there playing around like I was like oh join the swim team so I joined the swim team but that is how I made friends also living in Northern Virginia was the you know swimming world so I get it so what happened with coaching so how did you get to coaching and tell us that experience um your experience through coaching yeah so coaching for me was I didn't I didn't get into it on purpose I got into it by accident um as I said, I had I've been surrounded by some really great coaches, um, being at camps in in Europe, and then having the chance to be coached by like the greats like Jim Ellis, Pete Morgan, um, and more. And so it, it kind of just stays with you being in that level. And but I was when I graduated from Howard, I went into consulting. I thought I wanted to be an international business consultant and um, was working for a boutique consulting firm in Chicago for a number of years. And actually during the economic collapse, uh, I was an analyst and us as analysts, you're always the first to go. Actually the whole company went um, because it was just consulting is always the first one. When you're talking about trying to reduce funds, they just don't have the funds to carry your projects going forward. So um, with that, I was reevaluating um, kind of where I wanted to go and I, family being back here, my sister was in high school at the time, they needed some help with the swim team. So I was like, hey, I'll just volunteer, I'll help. Um, Pete Morgan invited me back, actually a, a lady by Kim Spina, um, who was an age group coach and did the learn to swim school. And hey, why don't you just come and volunteer for a couple, you know, a practice or two. and from there, I went started at the Learn to Swim School on Sundays, then went to the Age Group One program. And really, I loved working with the 10 and unders because that's when they had that that oohs and ahs in the swimming um, mm -hmm. yeah. and to have that kind of influence. So I started with that. And then later, on, a coach that was part of the um, the senior program, we were reevaluating within NCAP kind of how we were doing this program. And we had this program that we school prep. And 
from there, um, our high school prep, they gave it that group to me. And I actually, had, um, we moved that group from just being a two a day group to a, being a, a group that had a morning and an afternoon. We started with five kids, me and another coach, two other coaches grew up to be almost a hundred and some kids um, within two years. Look in your home, look in your office, look in your home office. Everywhere you turn, there's so much smart. At Capella University, we think education should be smart, too. Our game-changing FlexPath format puts you in control of your master's degree, so you can learn how, when, and where you want. Smart, huh? Yeah, we think so, too. So if you want to take the next step in your career, make Capella your first step. Visit capella.edu to learn more. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter. If you look around, you'll see the world can be pretty smart. Okay, very smart. At Capella University, we think education should be smart, too. That's why we're reshaping online learning with our FlexPath format. You can set your own deadlines, take classes at your own pace, even leverage your previous experience to move faster. So when it comes to earning your bachelor's degree, you know what kind of choice to make. A smart one. Visit capella.edu to learn more. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter. With that group. And it became a great feeder into the national and national prep group. So that's kind of how I went into coaching. I, um, I it was just by accident, just being involved and being invited, and then just took off from there. And then also being with Howard, it happened the same way. You know, you are you are a big deal. Yeah, uh, you, Miriam, and you like. Like you're just like oh, I'm Miriam. Like no, you are. Miriam, <laughs> <Like>, yes. <laughs> like listen, I mean, and I that's that's why I I like you. You just are so like humble and like um like oh just like listen. People in your position, more people are like listen. I am coached. I am. I have been around the world. Okay. Um, but I love that about you that you are, you know, and I try to emulate that. You know, I tell you, like, listen, sometimes I can, I have to hold myself from popping off. But you, I learned, I was like, you know what, Miriam is so calm and, you know, she can handle things. So, you know, I love that. But tell us, tell us about, I'm serious. Yeah, I'll say, what did Miriam say? She said, you know, Miriam is so politically correct. She is. You are so, like, diplomatic, you know. I mean, it's just like, oh, you know, just, and I'm like, listen, if it was me, I would have been like, listen, I need y'all to get in my face. You know, anyway, but, um, but tell us about, tell us about your experience, because we're all from HBC, uh, HBCU alum. And so what was the experience like swimming at HBCU? I would have loved to swim. Uh, we went to Albany State, but unfortunately Albany State didn't have a, a swim team any longer when we were there. But what was that like swimming at HBCU? And at the time, you all weren't the only ones with a, with a swim team when you were swimming there. So what was that like for you? Swimming at an HBCU, um, well, why I chose Howard in the first place, I kind of... I had a moment in my senior year where I just was tired of seeing, being talked as less than, you know what, I just was tired of being seen as, oh, oh, Mia, we didn't invite you here because we didn't think you wanted to go. And it was always like, I felt it was because of, it, 
I was black. I was just, I never got to go to the football playing games with friends. And I had some friends on my swim. I, I don't mean to not say I didn't have friends, but it was just something different. It was different, yeah. right? Um, and when I went to Howard, they say, like, I, you know, you hear the cliche, like, when you walk onto a, a college campus, you will know it's the one, right? And mm-hmm. I knew Howard was the one um, from the moment. Howard was such a great program itself. Um, my freshman year, uh, going into my freshman year, the coach, um, Roy, I can't remember his last name, but he was an amazing coach, was there too short of a time. Um, and he really, Howard gave me a balance, right? It gave me what I wanted for seeing myself and seeing the academic part that I missed from learning from high, high school, such as W. Du Bois, Booker T. Ross, hearing about that and the greatness and the richness on that side, but also being able to have the swimming as well. And not also, the same time, swimming wasn't, it also taught me swimming wasn't my whole life. It taught me I had a greater social responsibility beyond swimming to my community. And I felt empowered by it. It didn't feel that, oh, you know, um, you had to, to sacrifice anything. You could have both. And so that's what Howard gave me. Howard gave me my grant, I remember when I chose Howard, it was a very difficult decision because at the, at the time, I think people were like, why are you choosing Howard? You can go to, you were getting a really great deal for University of Pittsburgh, um, almost full ride to go there, um, great swimming programs. Shoot, I, I almost got enamored by, they got suits and they paid for your contacts. I remember that was on the recruiting trip. They're like, oh yeah, if you need glasses, we'll take your glasses. And if you need contacts for competition, it's just a competition. I was like, oh, wait, contacts? Oh, wow. Um, and I was, that was just contacts. something that just was like, ooh, God, and they had matching outfits and all this stuff. And it was great. And a lot of kids at my in my program were going to FSU. They were going to Virginia Tech. I mean, we were... You know, and I was I was at the same time as them. I had the same options as they did to go to those schools. And Howard really was not on the radar. I don't think I think my coach Pete was a little surprised. He was like, oh, okay. But my parents and my grandmother, you would have thought like we were at Howard Homecoming that night. I was like, Yeah, I think I'm gonna decide to go to Howard. And they were like, Yes. <laughs> Because it just was like my grandmother would put a sticker. I think I came home for a weekend and she already had the sticker, the license plate, all on the thing. That's funny. That's funny. Because did your, did also, your family, did your family go to Howard? Nobody from my family went to Howard, okay. but we went to church at Howard every Sunday. Okay. We became very good friends with Dean Richardson. And so we went to church on Sunday at Howard University. And so it was already ingrained kind of in us that, you know, um, it wasn't ingrained, but it was just, that was part of what my family, my family always did things to make sure that we always knew what our roots were, always knew that what the contributions of us culturally and that's when my mom always had the conversation like look this is your core you're not gonna go out and do this you are you this is where it's at like we go to swimming she's like come to my room don't be playing with those girls come to my room we'll have the talk 
with my sister growing up, right? Because that's your core. Because people will get yeah. you lost outside yeah. of that. And you see there's yeah. other things. And so my mom kept us in, my grandmother would always send us books, all these things. So that was something ingrained. We we went to Howard every Sunday so we could see excellence. We could be a part of excellence because we lived in that, that world where, shoot, even at the grocery store, you'd be like, oh, wow, another family. Hi. Um, <laughs> And even in my high school, we were we were 1%. My high school population, we were 1%. My high school friends, we I could all count each other. Braddock and I was at Harvard and Loudon. So I was worse than you were. I cannot imagine that. I don't know so, what y'all were going through. Like, I was... To go to any HBCU, we had... Um, it was so bad that they gave the black kids at the school. We got a day off because we were allowed to go to a um, black college fair over what? in. Yeah, so we all got a chance to go, and when we got a chance to go, whatever the situation was, like our school had hooked it up to wherever we wanted to go. We were um, wherever we wanted to go. They were fill- they were paying for the application fees. Wow. So, and we had like up to three application fees that we could do. And um, yeah, like that was a thing. Like they catered to us in that way because they kind of told us that we were going to go to either it was, like she said, Virginia Tech, Virginia, um, Georgetown or George Washington or Mm -hmm. like Frost something, you know, those colleges, you know, in the area. Or we can take an experience and go to the HBCUs, which you had Howard and Morgan and um, those areas. But um, those colleges in the area but they actually I went to that college tour and I was like wow they have all this stuff but I of course my grandparents worked at Albany State so I was kind of like Miriam I already kind of had an idea and knew HBCUs looked like and what they were taken back but what made me choose like you say you know where you want to go what made me originally I I wasn't going to Albany State because my whole family was there and I wanted to go somewhere different so we came down on a so my mom actually with the black churches around there, she got all the black youth because you know in North Virginia was very few. So she got people who wanted to go and they did a college tour, HBCU. So we started mm-hmm. in Virginia. Anyway, we got to Georgia. So we got to Atlanta. Wow. Happened to be free food. So we're riding and we're like, oh, you know, you see how freaking it used to be back in the 90s. So this is like, yeah. this is like 99, 2000 Because I'm like that was school. when they was about getting rid of it though they was like we ain't having this no more in Atlanta but it yeah, was no. still kind of yeah I, re- I remember yeah mm-hmm. we yeah. through and it was out their cars and we were trying to get on the um, AUC campus and I was just like oh, this is where I'm going I'm going right here and so when we went to the college tour I went straight to my college because I knew I was going to either Clark Morris Brown mm-hmm. Spelman wanted somebody in the AUC because I was so yeah. excited to see all those black people out there having a good time and I was not used to that so that was the mm-hmm. biggest going to college so I get what you're saying like I was all deep when I got to college like oh dang you know how you are about you know your ADOS I was like that in college because I had never experienced learning about my black culture so I didn't even know all this yeah. stuff existed yeah, see, and I, my experience is totally different. So, you know, I grew up in Atlanta and Decatur. And so then it's like it's, it's Black people everywhere, you know, Black swim teams, Black whatever. And, you know, City Atlanta Dolphins uh, and 
all the black swim teams at high schools and stuff. And so in my product, I'm proud of, of HBCU. All my family went to, we went to Howard Savannah State, Tuskegee, Fort Valley, Albany, like all of them. And so by the time it was, we were, I was, I was like bred in it. And so that was, I was just like, oh, there's a, Auburn? Oh, Auburn's down here. That's Tuskegee's here, not like, you know, and I was like, that's how I was. And so I just knew I was going to an HBCU. I was like, it's, I don't know where else to go. Like, so homecomings, you know, early on. So, yeah, I mean, I think that is necessary for, regardless of if you grow up in a predominantly Black neighborhood or not, you know, um, to make sure that your children or your family understands, you know, the institutions that we have, understands like our history is necessary, it's a must. Um, and so, yeah, I'm glad that, you know, all of us can talk about these experiences and then continue to move them and to have those with our children or, you know, our family. So, absolutely. I kind of so, wish that I knew Miriam back then because that's why I quit high school swimming because I was the only black girl and that was difficult going to practice in the morning, having wet hair all day, already a minority at school. So I'm crazy or I had braids all the time, which was still annoying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and the pack fit over if you had braids. It never fit. So I would I would often not have a cap. Oh wow. Um, I didn't. I don't even remember really having a cap, to mm. be honest. Now that I look back on it, um, so thank you, Miriam, for sticking it out because I did not. How my mom found out because those morning practices, I would just go to the basketball gym and I started. I joined the basketball she team, and I didn't tell her. <laughs> didn't even tell her mom. I didn't tell her it was like a game, and the come invested all this money in swimming. She just gonna yeah, go and play basketball. Time, and I just joined the basketball team. She didn't know. And she was so pissed off. <laughs> That's crazy. You, but we go through that as girls. You know, yeah. I think there, there's not enough of a narrative for Black females to be involved into aquatics. There's so many unknowns out there that we had. To, my mom and I had to discover for ourselves. Like my mom get, kept on getting told, like, oh from the hairdresser, because at, at the time I had a relaxer, oh, you do not let her touch the pool on mm. Monday, because we have Monday morning practice, right? Don't let her touch the pool for a week so the relaxer can set in her hair and let it do its thing. And mm. it was like, I was like, nope, so we got Vaseline and she she would for my hair was soap and that was how it was protected. Um, but it was a lot of discovery together. Soon it fit the right way. Cat was always, she was like, okay, you can't put on conditioner before you, because my cat would always fall off, right? Because you put on the right. jelly, you know, make sure it's protected, then you put on the right. conditioner, and then it would fall off in the middle of the mile. Like, oh, don't no. let it be a silicone cap, too, because that's just a silicone cap. That one was a done. Yeah. And, those suits, the paper suits never fit me right. And so I'm back in the day with paper. I'm I'm that school. Um, yeah, we used to have paper suits and they were so thin. They get thin like right there and then like in your <laughs> that's TMI. But um they would wear out and so it just I just physically it just didn't fit me the same way. Um yeah. and then always the images you saw was like this is the essence of beauty. Um, 
And if you didn't fit in it, you're just not pretty. You're not. And at that time, when you're a teenager, you are, there is, yeah, my mom, as much as she wanted to tell me, like, don't let other people's judgments be your def definition of beauty. It, you can't help it. You're surrounded by it, that you're, you're surrounded like, oh, it's just so easy. I can come out of the pool and my hair and, oh, yeah, this is the way the suit fits on me or um, people just saying, you know, it just was different. And like going to away meets and if I didn't have the right products with me, it was a, a different a different Miriam that came out of the water. Um, <laughs> and so I would be like, well, why is your hair like this? And is it not? And I can understand why we have such a big drop off, especially for girls when they're finishing 11 and 12 year olds to that 13, 14 age group. Um, if you don't have a middle school age, middle school, it's, it's hard. It's maintaining all those things. The cost goes up, but also the esteem. There's so many things you're going through and changing in just general. Um, yeah. That impacts you. So with this work, because, you know, we are, we, and that's why we started this podcast. Like we brought like our, you know, common, uh, concerns and, and like uh, passion for this together. And so we want to just talk about how swimming and all things aquatics pertains to our, you know, affects us as black people in our culture. And so, um, and I just think that's why what we're, you know, this podcast is important and why groups like diversity and aquatics is important. And so could you tell us about diversity in aquatics and, you know, what the mission and vision is and, you know, the things that we have coming forward and, you know, just all the exciting things? Yeah, so for us in diversity in aquatics, we are an action-based organization. We aren't just talking the talk. We are people who are doing the walk. We are 100% volunteers. And with two of our amazing volunteers on this call doing a podcast, and they left me out with the shirt. So <laughs> we gotta get you. We gotta get I, No, I have the shirts upstairs. I just, you know, anyway. Sidebar. But that's but that's what it is. You know, just to tell you a little about how diversity and aquatics start, I know both of you know, but for your listeners to understand is that it started just as a network. There were there are thousands of people across the country that have similar situations, similar stories as what we've shared um, earlier on this podcast. But talking about, wow, I'm the only one in, you know, Iowa who was on a swim team. I am the only person who is a surfer that I know of. Um, I've seen somebody, but there was no way to connect everybody together. So I really credit, you know, Dr. Sean Anderson and Jason Jackson, what they did was basically before Facebook had Facebook groups, they started on a Ning network, diversity and aquatics as a way to connect people, to wait so that we could share stories, we can share and be a support system for each other and then for our future generation. And that's what we, we started. The whole point of it was to start a network to help save lives. And we still carry this to that to this day is that network, that supportive network where we're all together. But we've added a number of different resources on top of that and, um, and sub areas that have grown as, as equally important because we're starting to discover through research um, a lot of the barriers that existed that have created the um, 
the disparities that we see today with risk levels, but also with those who are participating in aquatics, we know that highly that we have, there are more barriers for especially black females than there are black males, but we know that there are barriers that impact black, Hispanic, Latinx, indigenous, um, communities at a greater rate than they do um, others. So the, what we do as far as diversity in aquatics is we're changing the narrative. I credit diversity in aquatics and groups like this that are, we are changing the narrative of how we see aquatics in this space. A lot of times what has happened, and I'm going to go on a little bit of a shoebox here, is that the narrative has always been a lack of, and it comes from a one lens narrative that uh, blacks are less fortunate. Blacks don't have the resources. Um, Hispanics don't, it's always, we don't have what's needed. We are, we're always seen as a lack of, um, in the narrative. It's always, um, instead of an empowering and working with community. And so for us, what we do is make sure that we work with communities to empower communities, um, with the necessary resources or to utilize resources that are already there that are rich because we know culturally we have such a rich culture and affinity to the water. Water is a part of black culture. We value water differently than the, the Eurocentric lens who valued water more economically for transportation to carry out waste. We valued water as a part of our culture as a part of being as, as the center of the element that made us us. Um, and so that's the difference and, and being able to reconnect that to back into the narrative and also to help do restorative practices to get people to have a positive relationship back with the water. And that's what our mission is. Our mission is not only just to save lives, but also have the opportunities because the there's so many different opportunities. It's not just about being competitive in water polo, swimming, thing, or whatnot, but it's also being a marine biologist. It's also about being, um, being, having, uh, being able to enjoy nature, having peace, addressing trauma. All of those things are yeah. what we do. Right. So, you know, all things aquatics, not just <laughs> swimming, you know, yeah. like, and, we talk about, you know, we've talked about in the previous shows, um, we've had other people on just like from that, that I don't want to emphasize that relationship with the water, the respect for the water, whether or not you are walking on a hike and there's a river next, you know, that you're walking along the river and hearing the sound of the water, you know, and, and, and or you're meditating or you're at the ocean or you're on the on the lake. Um, it didn't have to be you're actually swimming laps and you're doing it on a competitive level, but everything, you know, our, we are, we are water, you know, like our, our bodies are made up of mostly water. And so I think it's to, to think that there's no connection is crazy to me. And I think that we have to, I think at a deep level, like I want people to understand that. And so, um, yeah. It is. Think about if you think about like where communities were being built. I'll take my own community and what I learned about the history the other day. I was I was on the, the path near the Potomac and it said that um 
the valuable where space was for African Americans and also the indigenous tribes that were part of it was on the waterfront, right? Um, that was yeah. where a lot of it was established to to um, to escape from the Civil War. This this area was a unionized area. So black communities and also indigenous communities were built on the waterfront. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of cities experienced that same same notion. Think about Anacostia in DC, was built on the waterfront. But now because of the value and the monetizing of it is that they're pushing our communities away from what you're talking about, that peacefulness. There's a whole book that talks about the benefits of the water. It's called Blue yeah. Mind, right? And yeah. uh, to take us away from it, because now you want to put redlining because you now see the value of it to move Listen. us away from it. Mm -hmm. um, I was watching Vice, and, and it's probably been a lot of reporting and stuff on this, but um, just an example of that with the Geechee uh, people and, and uh, on South Carolina and um, uh, Hilton Head and how it wasn't, they didn't think about it. Like you were saying, they, they didn't look at this land as something that was valuable until they built that bridge. And then, oh, this is nice um, land. Yeah. We're going to snatch it up and take it. And and then you know, just it's it's a it's it's so compounded the problems of the systemic racism and the redlining and all of that that um, our land is taken away our and we are just discarded um, and so then the our and then we and on the previous show we talked about like our connection to the earth our connection to these things is is a disconnect that has happened. And so I think um, just having these conversations, putting that mind frame back in people's space, you know, and in, 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 their, in their minds to, to think about their relationship to nature and water and land in, in these ways, again, is necessary. And so, yeah, I think it's all tied in together, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, that's what I like when I first came to Diversity in Aquatics, um, that conference. And I like that um, Diversity in Aquatics showed how just aquatic activities were all different from mindfulness to rowing to um, competitive swimming um, to uh, what, what were they doing? Black surfers, um, you know, and I was so wild. And I'm like, wow, you know, all these people are doing these different things. And it, what I liked is like sidebar conversations that I had all kind of had the same theme that everyone mm -hmm. to the water wasn't economical. It was more so a, a passionate story. So it was always something that connected. It was passionate and it was heartfelt. And that's what made me feel comfortable and like, oh, this is the place I want to be. I want to get involved in this organization because they don't care anything about money and everything was going it was nothing about money it was literally all about we're gonna be here in this neighborhood in miami and we're gonna you did say that you was like we are in liberty city like i was, I was like yes we are we're doing a water safety festival yes yes we are me off he was like like they said it's right here but that to me was more that was intriguing to me. That was like, oh, okay. And I saw the work. I saw there were families out there, people out there who wanted to get in the water and the organization was actually doing, like you said, doing the work. It was action. 
And so yeah. mm-hmm. that was um that was a while to me. I'm just gonna tell you that. So hats off to you at Diversity and Aquatics. Thank you so much for having me there and embracing me like you guys have. Mm-hmm. It's just been so good for me, you know, opening up and finding a place because a lot of people don't know anything about it. So I'm constantly telling people around here in Atlanta, you gotta call, you gotta join Diversity and Aquatics. Mary, you should hear us on, on this. We'd be like, um, are you so are you a part of Diversity and Aquatics? <laughs> so go and join it. And um, <laughs> Yes. No, and that's what we're run by. We're members. Our, we're not run by like it's not a top down organization at all. Yeah, it's no. run Mm-mm. members have a chance to be involved. I mean, yeah. think about what, what we've been able to do um since both of you have been involved. You know, our social media presence has kicked up and has a, a narrative that puts us more out in their space, but that's that's because of a large of you, Ashira, and what you've been able to do and helping us to get that message out. And then Adrian, when you were talking about, hey, we need to have an adapted aquatics council as a part of, and I remember you saying, and finally we got a chance to, we have a tribe together that is working to to fill in that space and then doing important work that I'm learning from, I'm looking at the notes that you guys are sharing. I'm like, okay, not adaptive, it's adapted, starting definition wise, starting with also understanding that space and being able to put that narrative because we know that what's happening is, is that in in spaces is that not only do we know the aquatic disparity but then when you go even further down when you're looking at even subcategories underneath of that when you're factoring things of social economical status um ability status and more there's even a larger disparity and so yeah. it's our members that drive us. It's not us. I'm a member. I'm 100% yeah. a member. I just happen to be the CEO. That's just the role I play. But I'm a member just like everybody else. And that's how I started with it. I started off as a member. I just wanted to involve. Um, and then from there, there was a couple of events that happened that got me further involved with the organization. But it's members that drive us. It's not the other way around. And that's the important okay. thing to know. Well, um, how can people get in contact with you or, you know, if we had, if there are any questions and find out about diversity and aquatics and all the wonderful things that we are doing? So you can contact us. Uh, we're actually getting ready to launch our new website. Um, our new membership website is coming out. Yeah, it's going through and it's getting through board review right now. Um, and we had a release during our last membership meeting, a little preview to it. Um, and so you can contact us through our website. You can also contact me on my email. I try to answer as many emails as I can. You guys do our she evidence. Does that. I don't answer <laughs> I will she answer does. it. And um, just have patience because understand I'm also a teacher and we're starting the beginning of the school year. I'm also and she is doing her dissertation, okay? And so that in itself is a mighty feat, okay? So anyway, go ahead. Yeah, I need prayers. But you guys, anytime yes, listen, you want to contact us. We are lifting you up, okay? We are you are. You are. You are. <laughs> no, you're going to do it. It's gonna, you're going to get through it. I was a member. I, so. I got through it. You're going to have some PTSD afterwards. But it'll be, it'll, it'll, it'll all be good. So, yeah, it'll be good. Awesome. Yeah, but um, continue. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. And on social media, diversity and aquatics, 
is there. Facebook, Instagram, um, Twitter, LinkedIn. We are everywhere. So, um, yes. But thank Google you so us. much, Miriam. Yes, Google us. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Miriam, for joining us on our podcast. And um, we enjoyed this conversation. Hope that listeners and viewers enjoy it as well and um, find a way to get involved if they would like to. So, all right, guys. So we will see you all in the next episode. And um, y'all have a good night. Night. All right, bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Swim Culture Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Remember, you can get involved by following us at the Swim Culture on Instagram and Facebook. See you all in the water. Hey, we get it. You don't want to be hearing a progressive commercial right now. So let us tell you something you do want to hear. No one is funnier than you. People laugh just thinking about the things you've said. I'm laughing at one of them right now. Coworkers repeat your jokes at the office, but they're never as good as when you tell them and shame on them for trying. There, don't you feel better? You'll also feel better knowing you could save when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Although I'm sure you'd have a funnier way to say that. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Look, staying healthy isn't easy. Watching your diet, hitting the gym, avoiding stress. But a good night's rest helps boost your overall health and wellness. And it couldn't be easier. The new Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed is the only bed that effortlessly adjusts and responds to both of you. The result? You wake up ready for anything. Proven quality sleep is life-changing sleep. And now save up to $500 on select Sleep Number 360 Smart Beds, plus special financing on all Smart Beds, only for a limited time. Special financing subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payments required. See store for details.